It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. I am your host, Ashley Frasca, and you know the second hour of the show to be the time when I have on a celebrity gardener. And this one has been months in the making, folks. I'm really, really excited to bring someone very special to you this Saturday. He has been so generous to take time out of his very busy schedule. A lot of you are going to know a Rolling Stone with Georgia Roots, this one here. A tree farmer, a conservationist, and a darn good musician, Chuck Lavelle. Hey, Chuck, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I got to tell you, I've had folks reach out on social media when I kind of threw it out there. You know, who are some Georgians that you would love to hear from that you know are in the gardening world? And your name came up more than once. So I think folks are going to be really happy to learn from you and all of the efforts you're doing with conservation and sustainability I could go so many different directions in this interview with you, so we've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) All right, all right. Well, it's a real honor to be on. Thank you. All right, well, you and your wife, Rose Lane, owners of the Char Lane Plantation down in Twiggs County, Georgia, and doing a little bit of research there, Chuck, in middle Georgia, her family, correct me if I'm wrong, has been in there, in, in that area, for almost three centuries. Is that right? That is correct, yes. Um, Various factions of her family, the Falks, the Densons, the Whites, uh, all have deep roots in uh, Twiggs County. And uh, some of the land goes back to land grants uh, from the king uh, and has been passed through. And of course, a lot of that has been broken up through the years. But there is some fractions of that that Roseline still has. And, uh, you know, beyond the history going back that far, the actual land that she inherited back in 1981 from her grandmother was a tract that uh, her grandmother and grandfather purchased back in the 1930s. And uh, so when the grandmother passed away in 1981, she left that parcel of land to Rose Lane. And we eventually moved out and started to try to carry on this heritage of stewardship of the land. And tell me about the character of the plantation, because it seems that the two of you are just so deeply embedded in it and it in, in the two of you as well. Well, it, when Roselaine inherited the initial property, which was about a thousand acres, um, it was a diversified farm. There, there was cattle on the place. There was row cropping going on uh, and there was some timber as well. And so, you know, we certainly wanted to carry on, as I said, a heritage of stewardship, but row cropping and cattle farming, uh, those kind of things seem to be way too much day to day for me if I wanted to follow my musical career. And we started looking into all kinds of options. We looked into peach trees, pecan trees, nursery stock, and on and on. But again, they all seemed like they were going to really require just pretty much full-time operation. One morning uh, at the breakfast table, my brother-in-law, Rose Lane's brother, Alton, uh, said, you know, if you guys are not going to plant this 50-acre field down the way that we normally plant on a crop, you might consider just going ahead and planting uh, trees on it. And boy, a light bulb kind of went off in my <laughs> head. And, and the first thing I thought of 
uh, Ashley was the connection of, of music and wood. You know, where does that marvelous thing that's given me a great career and so much joy come from? And of course, from the resource of wood, as do most musical instruments. And so that kind of, you know, that felt good. And uh, then the other aspect of it was this is long term. It's not so much day to day. It's good for the earth, uh, carbon sequestration, uh, wildlife, et cetera, et cetera. So it really fit uh, a lot of the bills that I was looking to personally try to accomplish. Yeah, saying recently, you know, that that stops one in their tracks, Chuck, to really think about without wood, there would hardly be any music. So going forward for our generation, previous generations, and of course, future generations is too. Conservation is so important, but how would you explain that to city folk or someone who's not really aware of what is involved in conservation? Well, it's a great question. And, and let's start with the word sustainability, which is perhaps overused these days, but let's, let's examine that word and see what does it really mean in terms of uh, forestry, uh, sustainable forestry. Basically, what it means is you're going to be planting, growing, and managing more uh, trees than you are going to be taking off the landscape. And and if we can pause for just a second and think about, well, what else does that resource give us? Mm-hmm. Well, it gives us materials to make books, magazines, newspapers, packaging products. Uh, it, it gives us uh, materials to build our homes and schools and churches and offices, and it gives us uh, home and shelter to all manner of wildlife. Uh, we talked a little bit a minute ago about carbon sequestration. It, it cleans our air. It filters our water that goes into our rivers and streams. So uh, it's hard to think of a resource, a natural resource that is more important uh, than trees and forests. So, y- you know, you want to use these products. You want to have working forests where you can take this wonderful material and make these things out of them. But you also want to make sure, again, that you're doing it in a sustainable fashion so that you're making sure uh, that they will always be there. You know, I I actually prefer the term perpetuity to sustainability. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want our forest to be perpetual. Very good. And you are so well respected in the industry as well. The Georgia Forestry Association nominated you in Rose Lane as Tree Farmers of the Year in 1990. You won for the state of Georgia. And then in 1999, the American Tree Farm System selected you guys as National Outstanding Tree Farmers of the Year. So you've definitely done your part and you continue to do so. How did you decide when your brother-in-law had that idea what trees to grow? What fascinated you or how did you really get oriented with the trees that you ended up choosing? Well, uh, we wanted to do as much indigenous uh, as we could. Um, Now, we have to understand that the landscape uh, throughout the southeast has changed dramatically since European settlement. And uh, the original tree, the dominant tree uh, from Virginia down to East Texas throughout the eastern seaboard was longleaf pine. Uh, However, when those forests were cut and the products used and agriculture came into the picture, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it was found in early stages that longleaf was a really fickle tree to reestablish. It has a very long taproot. It has to be planted very carefully. So the loblolly pine became more in favor, and that's the dominant tree that we see, at least in the uh, pine species across um, uh, the southeast now. 
Um, of course, let's don't forget the Appalachian areas where you had uh, the wonderful American chestnut tree that mm-hmm. was lost to the blight. Right. Uh, however, the good news there is the American Chestnut Foundation does a wonderful job in trying to uh, reestablish that tree. And the current uh, methodology is breeding a one sixteenth uh, uh, Chinese chestnut nut to a fifteen sixteenth American chestnut. Wow. And of course, the the blight came from China, so that one sixteenth uh, is giving enough resistance, at least in most cases, to uh, avoid that blight. And so they're doing a great job. I've engaged in reestablishing that. I think I've got about thirty uh, surviving uh, chestnut trees on our place now. But getting back to the longleaf, uh, I'd say about twenty twenty five years ago, there began a effort through the Longleaf Alliance and through other uh, private landowners to say, well, let's see if we can bring the Longleaf back. And so a lot lot of the nurseries did great work in uh, growing what we now call containerized Longleaf, and that is instead of having a bare root, uh, there is soil around that root, and so it makes it easier to establish and easier to grow. And uh, we've engaged in that. I think we have about 350 acres of longleaf that we've been planting over the last 15 years or so. Wow. And, you know, we would not be Southerners ourselves if we did not recognize oak trees and magnolia trees and, of course, the southern pines, too. Chuck, give us some of maybe the diseases that, folks, everyone can recognize a pine tree, right? A lot of us are beginning gardeners, just getting acquainted with nature. What are some of the diseases or blights that we would need to be able to recognize that could affect our pine trees here in Georgia? Uh, well, that is a great question. In in terms of insects, uh, there are three uh, insects that concern us. One is the Ips beetle, and that is spelled I-P-S, Ips. And the second is the uh, black gum turpentine beetle. And the third is the most feared, and that is the southern pine beetle. Uh, the Ips and the black gum turpentine beetle tend to only affect a tree or a number of trees in a relatively small area, uh, you know, sort of uh, incidental um, effects. And this is largely, by the way, caused by drought and climate change Mm -hmm. because all of these insects have existed through the eons of time, but they have been kept in check by cold and wet weather. Well, we know we haven't been seeing a lot of that in past uh, number of years. So when we have droughts, uh, these insects have an opportunity to proliferate. Um, You know, it's their signal to say, let's go for it. And they start chewing up all these uh, trees. Mm. So the uh, just to uh, reiterate about the southern pine beetle, that guy can devastate uh, a number of acres in a very short period of time. And so the the Georgia Forestry Commission does a great job of flyovers uh, with airplanes and helicopters where they're always looking down to see if they see brown spots. And they can warn a landowner, hey, it looks like you might have a outbreak on your place, and uh, you try to uh, attack it immediately. And really, there's no spray or chemical or anything that can stop these things, but the uh, methodology is if you do get a southern pine beetle outbreak, you try to cut about a hundred foot area around the infected uh, uh, acreage and then try to fell all the trees inward into kind of a circle, if you will, and then try to burn them up and, and try to get rid of them. So I 
that occur in a minor way. I mean, uh, in 2019, we had a drought, and I lost about 20 acres of pines, uh, mm-hmm. not to southern pine, but to, to Ips, a uh, big Ips uh, outbreak. So these are the things that we look for in pines. Now, as you know, uh, emerald ash borer yes. is a big problem, and boy, oh boy, it's just so sad to see beautiful ash trees go down to that insect. Again, there's no natural enemy that we know of. I know a lot of research stations and universities are trying to see if there might be some uh, predator insect that would help. But um, it's uh, unfortunately at the present, it's just a phase that it seems we're just going to have to go through. Now, how do you learn all that you just shared with us? And you know so much more about forestry and about trees, but where do you pick all these up? Do you attend conferences or is it just in your travels, you know, talking to folks in the industry? How do you best gain all this knowledge? Well, it's certainly not overnight, that's for sure. You know, when we made the decision to uh, emphasize forestry on our place, I did go to the library. I started reading books on land use and forestry in general. Uh, I did go to seminars and meetings that were offered through various organizations. Actually, government sources, uh, the extension services uh, are quite, quite good. They have wonderful pamphlets and information on gardening of all types uh, and forestry and, you know, of nursery stock, all kinds of things. These are great resources. And, of course, with the proliferation of the Internet, there you go. It's the World Encyclopedia, and you can get a lot of information. But for me, it's it's been a long journey, uh, and it's boots on the ground, too. You know, you, you got to get out there and visually see these maladies that can occur, uh, observe these successes you're having. And, uh, you know, I want to say this again. It's not just about trees and forests. It's about the big picture. It's the flora and the fauna within all the various plant life uh, that exists in ecosystems. And, of course, ecosystems are different uh, within the state of Georgia and within the regions of the southeast and, of course, within various parts of the country and all over the world. So it's, it's always fascinated me to look at these different ecosystems and see how they operate and uh, how all the puzzle uh, pieces fit together to, to make that system. Now, I'm speaking with Chuck Lavelle, world-renowned keyboardist for the Rolling Stones, at one point the Allman Brothers Band, just world-renowned. And now you can add TV host to your resume. And, Chuck, everything you just said about the whole ecosystem, absolutely correct. And you have ventured out of the southeast. You get to travel the country with your show, America's Forest, with Chuck Lavelle. And I think it's so important you're telling these families stories about tree farming and different aspects there. So what is... What is the best thing that you get out of telling those stories for folks? It's been such a joy, Ashley. It really has. Um, We started this project of America's Forest uh, television program on PBS actually about three years ago. Um, It's been kind of slow going. We have had four episodes that have run. We have two more episodes uh, that were recently completed and that will run uh, at a certain point next year. We're kind of targeting Earth Day to release a six-part series. As a matter of fact, Rosie and I will be uh, leaving Sunday to go to Colorado to do a special episode uh, concerning the Capitol Christmas tree, which comes from a different state every year and makes a journey from whatever state it is uh, all the way across the country to Washington, D.C., and then ends 
is put up at the uh, nation's capital. And so, you know, I think people could use a feel-good story these <laughs> days. And uh, I really look forward to doing this. You know, I get to play some of my Christmas songs off my Christmas CD and, uh, you know, meet a lot of people out there that are involved in this Capitol Christmas tree. And so uh, just to go a little broader, there is just no uh, end to the subject matter of trees, forests, and, and everything within. So no shortage of content. Um, our goal is to get a full 13-part series eventually with this. I think we'll get there. It may take another year or two. Um, uh, we like PBS. It's a great partner. Uh, you know, when I first started this project, we went to other networks, and it was like, well, why don't you uh, call it like Out on a Limb with Chuck and make it a reality show? Oh. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to do uh, educational fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we try to put humor in every episode and have fun with it and make it entertaining. It is television and it is entertainment, but we want it to be educational and uh, to, you know, expose these wonderful stories of people that are working in our trees and forests. So anything from fire prevention, wildfire prevention to, uh, you know, people that work within the industry uh, or work in universities and, and other institutions that look after our forests. Uh, There's just so many stories to be told. And if uh, if you don't mind me mentioning, uh, I do have a new documentary. Yes, you Uh, do, sir. Congratulations. (laughs) No, or December 1st. Is that still the release date? Uh, You do know. Thank you, Ashley. Yes. Uh, Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, it's doing a limited theater release as of tomorrow, November the 6th. Uh, in certain select cities across the country, you know, I won't bore you with all the lists, but you can go to ChuckLavelleTheTreeMan.com and see uh, the list of theaters. And of course, these days, some theaters are virtual, some are hybrid, some are protocol, you know, but we are doing a limited theater release and we're excited about that. It'll be in a couple of uh, uh, theaters in the Atlanta area. Uh, one that I know of is the famous Plaza Theater. Uh, we're working on securing that now. So, um, it, it, and there's three themes, if you will, to the film. One, of course, is the musical career. The other is my career in forestry and the environment. And the third, to me, the most important is a love story. Uh, Rose Lane and I have been married 48 years now. And uh, so I wanted that uh, story to come through as well. That is so important. So this documentary, Chuck Lavelle, The Tree Man, look for it out December 1st. And you just nailed down exactly what I was going to ask, the three aspects that it celebrates. Do you feel like there's any aspect of your life that maybe it missed? You're so complex and comprehensive in all that you're involved in. So did did they hit all the high notes? (laughs) You did, absolutely. Listen, it's you know, I, I just feel blessed uh, to have these interests and to be able to do things uh, with those interests. And, um, you know, we're in this COVID world that we all know about. Uh, live music has been put on hold. It's, it's hurting everybody's feelings, mine included. We had to cancel, as you know, a Stones tour for 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started looking for 2021, but I'm not sure that's going to work. Uh But I I think we all look forward to the time when we can get over this and we can return to live events, not just music, but theater events and other art-driven events that are live. 
And it will happen. Look, this thing had a beginning. I would like to think we're probably in the middle of it now. And it will have an end. We don't know when that end's going to be, but we hope it's going to be sooner rather than later. So hang in there, folks. And, uh, (laughs) you know. We're going to rock and roll. Don't worry about that. That's right. And all the more reason that you're able to freely travel and socially distance and be outdoors and capture these stories of folks with the show America's Forests. And I want to give the website America's Forests with Chuck Lavelle.com. And happy three-year anniversary, by the way. I think it was about this time in 2017 that it debuted. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I appreciate that. Yes. And uh, be looking next to, I know it's a ways off now. Earth Day is in April, usually I think April 22nd, but we're going to be releasing the, the six part series then. And, uh, who knows, maybe we'll have another couple of episodes under our belt at that time as well. Perfect. All right. Well, I can't let you go without asking you a tip for beginning gardeners and this time of year, I've stressed on the show, plant a tree and shrub. This is such a accommodating time of year here in Georgia to do so. Can you give us one or two basic tips of how to successfully plant a tree in our yard, something to be proud of decades down the road? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of information. The Internet is a great source. Uh, Try to stick with something that is indigenous to your area, to your part of Georgia or or wherever you live. you know, it's easy enough to sort out uh, shrubbery and trees that are native to your area. Uh, I will say that the, the Georgia Forestry Commission has a, a great nursery, and they have all kinds of trees, not just pines, but they have oaks and dogwoods and, and ornamentals and, and all kinds of trees. Uh, again, I'd love to mention the American Chestnut Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, ACF is the three-letter initials for it. Uh, Look that up, and if you're interested in uh, joining that party, it's a great organization. Uh, You know, this is the right time of year to start thinking about planting uh, when when the cold weather begins, and you certainly want to try to be done by, say, March or early March if possible. Um, Make sure that tree is in an area where you can get water to it or or the shrub, whatever it is, uh, periodically, especially the first year or two. Uh, to keep it healthy and growing. Uh, mulching is important. Try to mulch around the area to keep uh, other weeds and competition down. And uh, and just look after that puppy and have a good time with it. Great advice. And it's so rewarding for those of us with smaller areas to just have that one tree, and you've really got something to be proud of with the acres there at Charlene Plantation. Okay, a quick rapid fire with you, Chuck, and I know you're itching. It's early on a Saturday morning. You've got a, a long day's work ahead of you. Rapid fire questions. So first of all, your favorite tree. It's probably hard to pick one. <laughs> Longleaf pine. That was the native tree in our area. I think it's a magnificent uh, tree, and I'm sticking with that. And the Charlene Plantation there, there's hunting, there's lodging. You and Rose Lane have animals. Your favorite dog? Oh, We have uh, two German, German short hair pointers that are our uh, current pets that we love so much. They're both just lovely and very... Uh, uh, diverse, uh, capable, smart, uh, good retrievers, uh, good companions, good uh, pointing dogs. So GSP, G- G- German short hair pointers. And there's not one that's more favorite than the other. They're both, they come as a pair, right? <laughs> yeah, our, our two, uh, we call them cousins. They're not really related, uh, but uh, the one is named Babe and the other one is Flo. 
And so we have Babe and Flo, and I can't I can't choose between those two. They're they're both uh, great dogs. <laughs> All right, and so politician or president or whomever that you've worked closely with that you would say has a really good record for attention to conservation and sustainability, since that is so important to us. Absolutely, no question. President Jimmy Carter, great man, great conservationist, uh, you know, incredible intellect, great uh, passion for, for conservation, for eco, uh, ecology in general, and just a brilliant man. Really glad to see that he is featured in the documentary, Chuck Lavelle, The Tree Man, coming up. They got really some good face time with President Carter. We did. We were so fortunate. Uh, he's been a friend for many, many years. As you know, the Allman Brothers Band uh, helped raise money for him back in the 70s running for president. And, you know, we were just so proud of him. He was a great governor. Uh, I I think he was one of the greatest presidents ever. And, and uh, I'm just we're all blessed that he's still here on this planet at age 96, I believe. And still contributing so much, too, of course. All right. Yeah. Lastly, I have to ask you your favorite song to play. Ah, well, that's like picking a favorite child. I know. You know? <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll say Jessica. You know, Jessica was a, a nice instrumental hit with the Allman Brothers Band. It, it was a great vehicle for a piano player. It gave me a nice spot. I get a lot of comments on the song, and, and I'd never get tired of playing it. But uh, the other one that I have to mention is uh, one that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, my hero, Ray Charles, uh, nailed and made famous, and that is Georgia On My Mind. Wow, yeah. I love it. Well, Chuck Lavelle, I'm definitely going to have something out on social media right after our conversation this morning about all the different avenues where folks can find you. A link to the uh, television show, America's Forest with Chuck Lavelle. A link to the documentary coming up again, folks, coming out December 1st. And then uh, can I put up a link to Charlene Plantation there in Twix County? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you, Ashley. It has been an, a great honor of mine to talk to you, and I wish we could just have all three hours of the show to do so, but I know you've got work to get back to. And safe travels to Colorado coming up. Thank you so much, and I uh, really appreciate the invitation to talk to your wonderful listeners out there. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.